0: You are listening to Did you, hear? Did you Hear, Did You
1: Hear, Did You Hear, Did You
0: Hear, the Johnson County Library podcast. We are coming to you from the Central Resource Library in Overland Park, Kansas.
2: This is your Library Insider.
3: In this episode of Did You Hear, we'll give you the inside story on what it was like to visit and work at Johnson County movie theaters back in the day. We'll also chat about the four-part Joko history series on the local chain of Dickinson movie theaters. Then, career and finance librarian Marty Johannes brings in Karen Sillins of A-plus Career and Resume to preview our resume and interviewing events. Plus, Dave tells you about our bookstores.
0: One of our partner sites is jocohistory.org, and you are one of the blog contributors to that site.
3: Yeah, I uh, just recently um, joined the local history committee uh, at the library. And part of uh, what we do is we'll contribute blog posts to the Joko History blog. Um, And so I wrote a a piece recently that's been going up uh, month to month about the history of Dickinson Theaters, which was a local uh, theater chain that operated uh, out of
0: Johnson County for quite a while. So you've had reel one and reel two. Uh, There's going to be a total of four reels?
3: Yeah, it it wound up being... um, a fairly long, uh, I don't know, history, uh, by, once I got into it. And so we split it up, uh, yeah, into the four reels. And then they're going up once a month. So reel three should go up sometime in July. And then reel four, well, will, uh, the uh, series will finish up in August.
0: So how did you come about uh, this topic?
3: I was trying to think of something... Um, you know, Johnson County history related that we hadn't touched on yet. And there were a few uh, posts on, uh, there was a post on drive-ins and then there was a post on the Glenwood theater, uh, which was Dickinson's kind of flagship for a long time. Sure. And, um, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I'm such, I'm, I'm a big fan of movies. I'm very interested in theaters, movies, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I thought, you know, maybe I could go a little deeper in and find a Dickinson story that, you know, hadn't been told that would be fun for the blog. And, I started researching and like looking for stuff and I wound up just being able to put together this really long history uh, of the whole company through um, Kansas City Star articles, uh, Kansas City Business Journal, and then a handful of other sources. Um, I reached out to Wood Dickinson, who he's the, the third Wood Dickinson. Um, oh, really? Yeah, his grandfather uh, and then his father uh, were both in charge of the company for a period and then uh, his brother uh, was in charge for a while um, and then would uh, he was in charge of the company in, in, throughout the 90s, pretty much. Um, but
0: yeah, I reached out to him via email, and um, he was very helpful, too, on the project. Full disclosure, I was a former Dickinson employee. Uh, when I was in high school, I worked at the Olathe Landing uh, Cinema 8. Nice. Uh, I, I had the position of spearheader. <laughs> have you ever heard of such a thing? I haven't. What is that? Okay, so you have your ticket, uh, Terror, and then as folks go through the lobby and then go to where the hallway splits into two, four movie theaters to the right, four to the left, uh-huh. you had somebody that would ask you what your movie is, and you'd say, that's theater three to the right. Okay, That, that was the job. Right. But I, I also, you know, tore tickets, and, and I worked on the concession stand, but I eventually moved up to the projection booth. And, okay. And then after that, I, I continued, like you, huge uh fan of movies but I, I continue to uh work in movie theaters mm-hmm. and uh um, so as a spearheader were you in charge of like
3: keeping out the riffraff or making sure kids <laughs> weren't sneaking in or um
0: yeah yeah you know you you tried to control to make sure that uh underage kids weren't going to see the right the r-rated titles or nc-17 yeah. Right. um <laughs> you know growing up in johnson county i think People really uh, were were fortunate to have the Glenwood Theater. Um, those of us that remember that, but it was a movie palace. It really was. It was um, out on Metcalf Avenue, right about where uh, 91st Street is. 91st mm-hmm. and Metcalf. Right. And uh, at the time, there wasn't a ton around there, but there was this beautiful movie theater. Uh, I remember the the outside. Um, Marquee was just, uh, you know, it was so eye catching and and so big, and it it, uh, had this kind of, uh, would you say Art Deco style or is it 60s? I don't know how to describe it. It was Space Age, maybe, more space influence. Yeah, especially
3: the Marquee. It had kind of a, you know, it, it went up in 66, and so it had a little bit of that. I don't know atomic age space age kind of look to it but inside i don't know how i would describe just very
0: lush and it was very open and uh the, the lobby was very tall and it was uh it was round i remember there was a round concession stand and yeah. a giant chandelier yes and just immediately you felt like wow this is this is pretty classy this yeah it's a cool place very luxury but it was the movies you know um my sister and i when we were children um we got to see we, you know parents would drop us off and we got to see movies like close encounters of the third kind indiana jones and the temple of doom uh, uh all the star wars movies mm-hmm. um i remember waiting in a line for 3 hours for the new um, empire strikes back movie oh, to yeah. come out it's like what <laughs> there's a second one <laughs> I am there. I don't How little care. we knew back then. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, Superman. I could go on and on. I mean, yeah. it's just fantastic. And so when I was at uh, the Dickinson-Oletha Landing Cinema 8, you know, um, we were allowed to go to movies at anywhere in the theater, and I always enjoyed going to the, uh, the, the Glenwood Theater. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I only got out to the Glenwood a handful of times. Um, it came down in uh, 2000. Um, but, uh, I, I remember going there and just like the, the first time I walked into that main auditorium, just thinking like, this is the biggest screen I've ever seen. This is, and there, you know, I think it's, it sat something like 800 people. Um, so very much an old school kind of movie experience. It was not, you know, a multiplex. Um, those were just kind of coming up that decade. Right. Um, but, uh. But yeah, I hadn't really experienced anything like that. And I still, it's very rare that you
0: encounter a screen that large or... Large, um, large uh, uh, seats, velvety seats, yeah. um, plenty of leg room. Yes. They, they yeah. rocked. You know, this was before anybody considered putting cup holders and, you know... Yes, in yeah. ...chairs. But uh, one of the things that was interesting to me was that there was this curved screen, a giant screen like you mentioned, mm-hmm. but they also showed 70 millimeter film. Yes. And so... These days it's all digital, but back in the day you had 35 millimeter film, and so 70 millimeter is double that size. And the beautiful thing about that is any little scratch or um, speck that might show up um, on a 30 on on a screen when you're showing 35 millimeter screen, you would not see that at all. 70 millimeter, it was super crisp. It was basically. The high, de- high definition, ultra high definition option of the day. Yeah. I still think it looks better, <laughs> to be yeah, honest with you, in I've a lot only, of ways.
3: I don't even know what I've seen on 70 millimeter. I, I don't know. I think the Hateful Eight, um, when that came out, they did like a road show and I was able to go see that on film, projected on film, uh, in Need. 70 millimeter. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it, it really, by the time I was going to movies, um, you know, I only had probably a decade and a half where they were actually still showing film, uh, right. uh, you know, where you, you, it wasn't a hard drive, um, playing projecting digital. Um, but yeah, it was pretty rare. And so, yeah, to have, you know, a 70 millimeter projection here in Johnson County or Overland Park even, right. um, uh, you know, there was, there was, uh, another theater in Kansas city I know of, uh, there was an AMC theater, uh, that did 70 millimeter, but I, I think it was otherwise, I think it was pretty rare.
0: So yeah. And so right down the street from the Glimwood Theater, um they had an, a, another theater that was a, a twin at the time in the Metcalf um uh, mall, mm-hmm. no longer there. No, yeah, the entire <laughs> mall is gone. <laughs> but but you worked there at, at one time.
3: Yeah, so um that was that was not originally a Dickinson Theater inside the mall there, but uh, uh Dickinson did, I think in the 80s, they uh, they bought that. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It's been a few months since I did some of the research. But um, Dickinson did own that theater in the mall for a period, um, and uh, then they sold it to I think it was the same company that owned the Ranch Mart, uh, and so it was a Dollar House for a while. And um, but yes, when I was working there, it, w- it had been uh, refurbished by the Fine Arts Group, and so I was working there. It was the
0: Glenwood Arts Theater at the time, I think, is what it was called. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a commercial theater before that, and uh, yes, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, they. You know, we're following the trends of all the megaplexes, and so um, they divided up their th- theaters into a fourplex. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate because it it was a pretty neat place to see movies as well. It was kind of like the the Glenwood Junior. Yeah. So when when they were growing in in Kansas uh, in, in in Johnson County, yeah, especially uh, so. Were most of the the buildings original buildings like the Glenwood that we were talking about, mm-hmm. or or were they? I mean. There weren't other theaters to buy, so... Right.
3: Well, it, it was a kind of a mix. Uh, their first Kansas City area theater was a uh, theater that they refurbished. Uh, I don't know who had owned it before, uh, but that was the uh, the Bijou. Out oh, sure. On, uh, I think it's on Prospect, like 40-some in Prospect. Okay. Um, and so that was their first move into the Kansas City area. At the time, they were based, I think, out of Lawrence. And this would be this was back in the, f- the late 30s, uh, I think, is when they, they bought that. They moved in there. And then um, throughout... Oh, gosh. So they were in Lawrence for a while. I think it wasn't until the 50s that they moved the company here. But I know that they built, uh, I, I think, I want to say their first new theater that they built in the area was the, um, it was at the time called the Dickinson Theater uh, out on Johnson Drive. Today, it's the Mission Theater. It's I think it's an event space now. Um, but that has been standing since, I believe, the 40s. Um, wow. So it was kind of a mix of theaters they built on their own um, and then theaters that they were taking from other exhibitors. Um, or other companies that, that they were buying, and then you know screening
0: their their movies there. Did they get into the drive through uh, drive through the drive in business? Yeah, at some point.
3: Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, so that would have been again. I think it was in the late forties. Um, their first one was in Salina, so that's um, th- that was the first uh, drive in that Dickinson did. Their first ones in the area. They did. They had the Leewood Drive In, which is out on about one hundred and twenty third and State Line. Um, and then the Shawnee drive-in, which I actually don't recall where that was. I think it was on somewhere on 75th, maybe. I don't remember where that was. Hmm. Um, okay. but yes, but those were both gone by the, I think by the end of the seventies, both of those had been closed. And, um, I know the Leewood theater wound up, um, or the, the Leewood drive-in wound up, uh, I I was when I was doing research, I wound up going through like a decade's worth of articles of like feuds between the residents of the area and then the city and then like developers who wanted to use that land for a grocery store and retail space. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, it was just like, you know, probably wouldn't make the most interesting Joko history blog post, but there was just so much information on it. And then finally, it did become um, kind of a grocery store and a little strip mall uh, area. Um, but now now it's closed. I think Barstow might be moving in there. It's mm. the old High V out there on 123rd and State Line. But wow. anyways, yeah,
0: yeah. And I definitely don't want to give away everything that is part of your article. But this mm-hmm. might be a good point to tell folks where they can read Real One, Real Two, Real Three, and Four. Yeah.
3: So it's uh is it jokohistory.org.
0: jokohistory.org. Okay. I can never Look remember for the, the blog URL. button. I always just google
3: uh jokohistory blog. Uh-huh. And that brings it up. And so it should be some of the most recent posts on there. Um, and then there's in part 2, there's a link back to part 1. So if you just find real 2,
0: then uh, you can go back to that. I I shared uh, the articles with some of my old theater friends. Um, Shout out to Eric Moline out there in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, and (laughs) Paul Mazzoni down there in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, We all worked there. We loved it. Um, We all loved movies so much. We have such an emotional attachment to that time period. And so when we saw these articles, the photos... Oh my gosh! Um, and the images that accompany the article just—they—they uh, they really take us back. The thing that I love the the most about the images that you've included in the article—you have the actual theater ads. Yes. And and the lineups of these movies, and and it's such a different time because uh, we as as kids would just love to go through the newspaper and and see what was playing at the different theaters. And uh, it, they all had this kind of, um, you know, heavy black ink look mm-hmm. to them. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the managers or assistant managers of the movie theaters, they would... Be tucked away in some dark under the stairs makeshift office. Yeah. Maybe it used to be a closet. Maybe it used to be a janitor's closet. But with an X-Acto knife and uh, rubber cement, they were putting those ads together themselves. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I wondered they,
3: kind of how that can be. If the star put those together, or if that was the thing yeah. Else.
0: So so it's, it's before the time of uh, you know digital publishing. Right. And so you had to do it all by hand. And you know you had a, a ruler and like I said the exact Acto knife and right. rubber cement. And, and it's so funny because sometimes you'd see in the newspaper, they'd be kind of crooked. And right. <laughs> you don't know if, you know, for whatever reason they just were <laughs> rushed. <laughs> but, Jim just wasn't feeling it that <laughs> <right>. night. <But, laughs> it's like, how many of these do <laughs> I have to rubber cement? I'm getting <laughs> tired of this. So then, did you have to do
3: those like a week or two in advance to get them to the star? Or how did that work? Do you know?
0: Back then, all the, the reels would come in these uh, metal containers Mm -hmm. and they would, you know, um, be flown and, um, there would be a wait to see if they actually showed up at your theater before you put it into the newspaper. So I would say like, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, that's when they were putting the ads together. Okay. And then on Thursdays, the projectionist would assemble the movie and before my time they would have two projectors uh running simultaneous um one would get towards the end of its reel and today if you still look at old movies you'll see like a little um flash like yeah a circle up, up in the c- corner. cigarette burn kind of thing yeah yeah and so that would cue the uh projectionist to get the second projector running mm-hmm. and um with the next reel and you'd time it so that you would Turn one off and turn the other on, and so. Okay. Uh, but in my day, this would be the mid to late 80s. Uh, you would have a platter system where you would uh, have a ring on a platter, and you would wind each reel onto this platter, onto the the center reel, and uh, each reel that you would add, you would splice it. So you would tape it on there. And so eventually you would build it up to like eight. You'd remove this ring in the middle. It would then thread through this tree, up through a projector, and then it would wind back onto another platter. It's pretty ingenious because it, it made it so that you could do this all with one. One projector.
3: Yeah, and we had a system like that when I was at the uh, the Glenwood Arts Theater. So like mid two thousands, and then so briefly before they switched to digital. At least
0: we were still doing it there. So one yeah. of the big drawbacks with that, of course, is if you think about all the points of contact. Yeah, um, there were sometimes bad projectionists that wouldn't quite get the film over the pulleys and the wheels mm-hmm. on the tree leading through the projector and maybe um, it would put a line right down the center right. of, of the print. Yeah. And so um, lots of opportunities to scratch the print and yeah. all of that. So so there are a lot of benefits to being in the digital world now. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's really fascinating. And for people that grew up in this area, just that emotional attachment to a place like the Glimwood Theater and all the Dickinson theaters. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also considering, back when I was a kid, there were four channels, you know. Right. <laughs> it's like you had ABC, NBC, CBS, and, and PBS. Right. Uh, um, and then, you know, cable came along. But uh, movies were where it was at, you yeah. know, they, they would really tra- transplant you, take you to a different place. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this idea of, of stories and movies, books, uh, audiobooks, all of these uh, ways to tell a story. It just amazes me that there was a time that there were not movies in libraries, just books. Right. And I remember at one point when movies started showing up in libraries and uh, it, it was, it was fascinating because people were wondering, it's like, is, is there a place for this? Is this the appropriate place? You know, uh, should we check out movies like we check out books? Yeah. And it seems like such a foreign concept now, don't you think? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I
3: think there's people who primarily come to the library to get movies now. Yeah. Um, but. Uh,
0: and, and there's no shame in it.
3: No, no, not at all. And I, I think it's, you know, I don't know if just because we did provide it that it's come to be something people expect, but I, th- I think certainly that's if, if that was something you couldn't do at the library, I think that people would um, I don't know if they would request it or if they would just be upset, but, but yeah, I, I think it's just as much uh, part of the library
0: as, as books. It might not be the first thing people think of, but. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that concept of, of a story is a good story in any form?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. Each different form is going to have probably different types of story uh, stories that that fit it best. Uh, but yeah, I think just in general, um, a movie can take you somewhere just as well as a book can take you somewhere, um, or just as poorly. You know, there's sure. g- good bad movies, good books, uh, bad bad books, and everything. Um, sure. But but yeah, I think, I think I'm sure that that was kind of the logic behind libraries rolling films into their library or into
0: their collections. Um, yeah. yeah, and and you know, they're. The, Definitely, times where where books do a superior job, uh, you know, and the the movie version oh, yeah. of a particular story is not so great. Yeah. But I could I could say just the opposite that there are some movies that, uh, you know, do so much more than just the story. And and sometimes you think about some movies like a you know this m- movie uh, just popped in my head. Stand by Me by Stephen King is a mm-hmm. short story. But yeah. That became. Um, a really successful full-length feature film. And yeah, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, well, I think that takes us full circle. If you'd like to read more, once again, you can go to
3: yeah the jokohistory.org, Uh Just or you could just search for the Joko History blog, and it should be right up there at the top. But uh, kind of on that note, what you're saying is just that you know that love of stories and um, that just nostalgia and all that attachment we have to. Whether it was the books or the movies or something, that really is kind of what pulled me into wanting to write this history. Is the South Glen Twelve was kind of my, you know, I don't know, my theater uh, growing up when okay. I, uh, more like younger teen years and things like that. Um, and um, but yeah, it's so part of why I wanted to write the post was I didn't experience the, the Glenwood in the '60s, but I thought people would really get a kick out of reading some of the backstory behind all these various theaters, whether it was the Olathe Landing or the South Glen or the Glenwood. Um, uh, so, yeah, kind of creating a story out of it yeah. uh, in itself. But.
0: And I got to say, it's compelling reading. I don't okay. want to give give away too much, but I will say there is a theft. There's there's true drama. There's nostalgia. Um, some good descriptive writing. Some really good insight from uh, the original sources that were there. And so go to jokohistory.org and check it out. Hey, let's talk about bookstores. Did you know that the Friends of the Library operate three different bookstores at library locations? We sell donated books, cards, and small gift items. The funds that we raise support early literacy programs, staff professional development, and special events. Friends members get a 10% discount on books at the stores. If you want to be a volunteer at the bookstore, Find out how at jokolibraryorg slash help. There's so many different services that we have at the Johnson County Library that make you go, boy, I didn't know the library did that. And so many of those... Uh, are in the area of career and finance. And who better to bring to the table than career and finance librarian, Marty Johannes. Welcome, Marty. Uh, Thank you. Good morning. And so, you know, I like to think of librarians as superheroes. And, you know, sometimes we, we think it's just hyperbole when we say that librarians and libraries can change people's lives, but they really they really can change people's lives, especially if you're looking for a job, if you're looking to improve your station in life, the library should be the first place that you consider to go to to get some help. And I wanted to have you chime in a little bit on some of the resources that we have. So if you go to jocolibrary.org slash research and look at our career and finance options we have all different sorts of help for you. So first of all, we have a list uh, that is a guide from our librarians to explore career options. So
1: what kinds of things would people find there, Marty? So on our career planning and jobs page, um, we have a guide that was developed by library staff that contains um, uh, short assessments, self-assessments, because an important um, part of a successful career search involves knowing your particular interests, strengths, gifts, talents, etc. So that's the best place to start when you're trying Absolutely. to figure out what to do next.
0: Know yourself before mm-hmm. you try to convince other people who and what you are. Exactly. That makes sense. Um, another uh, item that we have is uh, a list of local jobs. And so I think Um, A lot of people think that, while I have the internet, I have all the resources at my fingertips to find what I need. But we have a lot of things. We have a lot of um, leads to jobs that you might not know about.
1: Yeah, we've collected... a list of links. It's not comprehensive, of course, but it's, we think, um, some of the most valuable links to job listings that our community members um, might be able to use.
0: So tell me about um, a database like uh, Job and Career Accelerator. What will people find there
1: it's something of an online career coach so it walks you step by step through the creation of a resume um, through actually um, um, stepping back a little bit it um, allows you to take an assessment um, to figure out where your particular skills lie and then it will Uh, help you locate jobs, it's connected in with indeed.com. And so it will help you find job openings. And then also walk you step by step through the creation of a resume, cover letters, Um, you can track uh, who you've sent resumes to, which if you have different resumes for different jobs that you're pursuing, you can um, keep those uh, stored on the job and career accelerator database.
0: Yeah. And speaking of resumes, I was thinking, you know, once you get to know yourself and you're able to identify those skills and you're ready to put them on paper, we have another really great service through tutor.com, which is live resume, uh, live resume help. And so you have real people that will review your resume for you.
1: You can submit your resume to... Uh, the staff at Tudor.com and one of the staff members will review your resume, give you pointers and then um, get back with you.
0: And you know, um, I I have somebody very close to me that's looking for a job and they immediately uh, withdrew themselves from the job search, from from a particular uh, job that was advertised because they don't have the computer skills. And I was like, you know, you can teach yourself. Whatever you're lacking, we've got a library with resources. And so some of those resources that we have available to um, fill in the gaps, if you don't have certain computer skills or just other skills in general, we've got lynda.com. That's for free with your library card and pen, Um, universal class, and uh, anything else that is worth mentioning that might help you
1: uh, kind of fill in?
0: The, the, the gaps of, of your skills?
1: Well, under e-learning on our webpage, we have a, a whole list of um, online learning resources, sure. including UniversalClass and Lynda.com. But in addition, um, uh, free resources like Khan Ac- Academy and oh, – right, right. um, Uh, digital learn.
0: And if you need help with any of those, come into the library and ask for a librarian to assist you. They'd be happy to do so and they're very knowledgeable and friendly. I might might mention that as well. So beyond the resources that we have at the physical library and online, we often have a lot of events and Marty has a guest with her today.
1: Yes, um, with us today we have Karen Silens of A Plus Career and Resume. Uh, she is the presenter of several of our summer programs that are, um, that are being offered for job seekers. Welcome Karen, how are you? I'm great, thank you
0: for having me. Well thank you for coming today. So tell us about uh, these events and
2: how did you get involved? Well, about 20 years ago, I was writing resumes for friends and family, and I actually had a friend of mine suggest that perhaps I should go into that as my full-time business. I was in human resources at the time, and I took their advice and had a very understanding husband who I'm sure thought I was going to have a very expensive hobby, (laughs) and he's been delighted that that uh, has not been the case. It has been a full-blown job. So uh, I spend my time every day with clients. I write resumes every day. I write articles about resume writing, career coaching, interview coaching, job search coaching, all of those types of things. So I'm always up on the industry and what's going on.
0: Do you find it very rewarding?
2: Yes. Every time you hear from a client i had a successful interview or i just got my new job or you know oh now seeing this resume i really understand why i'm qualified for a particular industry yeah it's it's quite a rewarding thing
0: that's excellent so what types of programs and events do we have coming up this summer
2: well we have creating powerful resumes and cover letters okay and that really teaches people about the A to Z writing of a resume and what goes into a cover letter. We talk about format and we talk about what applicant tracking systems do because anytime you apply online you're going through an applicant tracking system and blessedly through many colleagues in HR I have access to those applicant tracking systems so I know what they do Uh, and and a couple of clients in addition but I also talk about what a resume really does. A Uh resume never gets you a job a resume gets you an interview. Oh. A lot of times, a phone interview. Sure. Then it moves you forward from the phone interview into a potential in person interview. And we also talk about using keywords and action verbs and bullet points and all the different things that a lot of times people are missing that's expected by not only the applicant tracking system, but the people reading the resume.
0: Excellent. So, what's the, the date and time and location for this event?
2: So there's one coming up on June 26th, I believe, and that is for...
1: The Interviewing. The Interviewing Savvy. savvy.
2: And then there's Uh, one coming up in July, and that is for the Creating Powerful Resumes and Cover Letters.
1: Yes, the one in July, the Creating Powerful Resumes and Cover Letters is on Tuesday, July 16th from 6 to 7.30 um, p.m. at, at in the Leewood Library.
0: Oh, Leewood. Okay, all right. Leewood Pioneer Library. That's down off of Row and I want to say one hundred and fifteenth.
1: One hundred I think
2: seventeen. One 117th. 17th. Okay.
0: Don't it's, want to. It's say.
2: right by <laughs> the shopping center. It's right by the shopping center. Right. Yeah. right. Town Center Drive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: <laughs> excellent. Uh, and. Is the do we have a different location for the and next
1: one? And then the other one, um, it, the interviewing savvy program is on Wednesday, June twenty sixth, from six to seven thirty p.m. at the Cedar Row Library. And I do want to mention that starting at five p.m., five thirty p.m. before each of these programs, we offer sandwiches and sides. Oh. We know that many. Um, uh, the attendees will be coming directly from work or from some other obligation, and so we make it a little bit easier on them by providing some refreshments.
0: Wow! Well, that's that's very nice of you. <laughs> is is that, do we have a, a partnership that uh, is supplying that, or is that the the library? That's no, doing the that? library. The library is doing that. Provides that. Oh, that's excellent. That's very nice. Okay. Um, anything else you want to mention about this
2: event? The Interviewing Savvy uh, program is really about people having control of the interview, not just from the standpoint of being prepared, but also from understanding that they're interviewing the employer just as much as the employers interviewing them. And it's very unfortunate when you get into an interview situation, the interview asks you. interviewer asks you all these questions, right? and then at the end, they ask you if you have any questions, and either you don't, and that, of course, doesn't look good, right. or you do, and they're now annoyed because they have to answer a bunch of questions. And it's a little bit of a conundrum for a lot of interviewees as to what to do. Sure. And so we talk about getting those questions in throughout the interview, creating a more collaborative environment as opposed to an an interrogatory (laughs) so that that, that's important and a lot of sense also how to prepare particularly for behavioral interviewing yeah that's a difficult type of interviewing for people those tell me about a time when give me an example of questions right people have a lot of problems with those and I actually give some people uh, give anybody techniques to prepare for those
0: yeah yeah I, boy, it makes you really start to think about all the different interviews that you've had and and your experiences and and you know you you think that uh, when you're in that interviewing setting you know that you should go armed with a few questions but you also want to uh, make sure that you you're you're letting the um, the prospective employer know that you've done your research, too. You don't want to ask questions that it's like, well, you know, that's on our website. You could have figured that out, but uh, some, some really important questions that only they could answer during that particular interview.
2: Exactly. And how to research a company, how to be able to answer that question, tell us what you know about our organization.
0: Yeah. And which how you fit.
2: actually a great deal of people fall down on they they get into the interview and they think I'm doing great and they'll say tell us what you know about us and their research was going on the site and clicking on careers. Yeah. And that's an unfortunate mistake
1: a lot of people make. And of course, the library is an excellent place to do research for an employer that you're going to be interviewing with or or are interested in working for. Uh, Reference USA is one of our most popular databases for um, researching, getting background information on an employer. Now,
0: Marty, there's one other event that you might want to mention today.
1: Uh, Yes, the Art of Interviewing program Uh, presented by Efren Um, Mojica. It was originally scheduled for Tuesday, June 11th, but it had to be rescheduled, so the new date is Thursday, June 27th. It is an evening program from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Blue Valley Library. Uh, Efren is a professional development consultant. He has his own business, All About You Consulting. And he'll uh, talk about the entire interview life cycle. So the pre-interview, the interview, and the post-interview. Oh,
0: excellent. And so, like you said, that's been rescheduled. So if you have that on your calendar, you're going to want to update your calendar. Um, yes. One thing I would mention, for all three of these events, you can go to jocolibrary.org events. And one of the really handy features we have of our calendar is that uh, there's a, a little icon you can click, and you can add our events directly to your calendar and get reminders uh, when your event is, is coming up. Don't forget that in addition to these excellent events, we also have a number of resources, uh, our databases and um, our learning tools that are available at jocolibrary.org. If you haven't been to the website, just explore. We're more than just a bunch of books on the shelf. We have online resources to help you learn, um, help you research about the companies that you might be applying to, and so we're really here to help you. For
3: more episodes of Did You Hear, go to the Johnson County Library website, jocolibrary.org slash didyouhear.